They had just arrived at the dump when suddenly they heard a shrill whistle. Then they saw a single headlamp through the trees. It's the one-eyed truck! shouted Monty. They dumped their loads and raced away as fast as their wheels could carry them. He's after us! cried Max. It's the one-eyed truck! yelped Monty. There is no one-eyed truck, said Kelly. It's just a story, chuffed Alfie. Well, what's behind us then? said Monty. It's Thomas, said the foreman. Hey, Terry, you want to talk about ghosts? I do. So I picked a movie uh, that actually gets it right about ghosts. <laughs> they don't exist? <laughs> that they don't exist, exactly. <laughs> or that there's some other logical, reasonable, real-world explanation. So um, I'm going to talk about a children's movie that gets a lot of things wrong, but actually gets the ghost thing right. So for those of you without children, I'm just going to give a brief background. Would that be Casper the Friendly Ghost? <laughs> this, is a t this is regarding Thomas the Tank Engine. There's an imaginary island vaguely off the coast of Great Britain that's ruled by a nobleman in a top hat. He represents a sort of father figure slash godhead type of guy. Uh, the main characters on the island are, are sentient train engines. Higher status trains, such as a character named Thomas, are always busy and efficient and obedient to Sir Topham Hatt. Uh, the low-status characters are the troublesome freight trucks and the diesel trains. Many of the plot lines deal with resolving various conflicts between the steamies and the diesels to accomplish the missions that Sir Topham Hatt has assigned. Um, the process of getting the work of the island done is made wildly more difficult than necessary by the fact that there exists no radio or wireless communication of any kind on the entire island. So a lot of what happens is the engines racing around to switching stations and whatnot in order to sound the alarm for emergencies because then the station master can use the landline telephone to call for help. Um, occasionally other characters stand in for diesels in the low status roles. And in the episode I'm covering, the low status characters are a pair of dump trucks named Max and Monty. So the episode is called Percy's Scary Tale. And I lifted the plot line summary from uh, Thomas the Tank Engine Wiki. Percy is a childlike steam engine, and he's been sent to work with Alfie, who's also a childlike um, engine, but he's an excavator. And it's Halloween night, and it's foggy. During a break in the work, Kelly, who is a crane in charge at the work site, tells a scary story about a one-eyed truck. The one-eyed truck is a dirt smudge and has blue lining. He looks similar to Max or Monty, which are these big dump trucks. According to the tale, the truck was an old dump truck who had one of his headlamps stolen by a low loader. The low loader managed to get away, but according to legend, the one-eyed truck still haunts Maithwaite Forest looking for a new headlamp. So later, uh, Max and Monty, of course, go around teasing poor Percy and Alfie, um, and then they get sent off to dump some dirt in a tip in the forest, which is a whole other episode, a whole other discussion topic about the environmental impact of the island of Sodor. Um, so while they're at, the, while they're dumping their dirt. <laughs> They see a light and they panic. They just freak the fuck out because there's this light coming through the fog. And they, you know, they run away in fright. But soon they feel silly when they realize that the light was only their friend Thomas, the tank engine. So, see? Hey, see what you want to do in situations like these is call in a group of meddling kids and their dog. <laughs> right. <laughs> Otherwise, see, right. Yeah, Scooby-Doo yeah. always was good for that, too. Well, it used to be. The new Scooby-Doo, not so much. Yeah. Well, the one thing I remember from the old Scooby-Doo shows is I couldn't believe 
the, you know, there's no way you could have that elaborate of a setup and no one see all the wires and stuff. Because, I mean, the ghosts were moving around the whole building and chasing after them. And time and time again, at the end, I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I know. But you it's know, better than some others. I, I remember that in Scooby-Doo. It really irritated me yeah. at how little sense it made. So, relatedly, and I forgot to put this in, but there's um, been some new research recently that children who are... There's a correlation between children who are exposed to religious um, yes. instruction early in life are are not as good at discerning fact from fiction. I, I saw that same stuff. There's been a few who are exposed to, there, sorry, who are exposed to what again? Religious instruction or reli- okay. you know, who are religiously yeah. come ba- from Basically, if you raise their religious household, having um, religious doctrine pushed on you, you have a um, harder time separating fiction from reality. And I think it's in particular having to do with magic. Like if there's yeah. some kind of a fictional story that deals with magic or magical whatever, magical powers, they're not sure if that's real or not because they've been taught that it can be real. Well, that makes yeah, but a lot. It, it, I, I got a good picture sent to me. Um, it's It had a picture of the Bible. And it says proof that God exists. Then it had a picture of a Spider-Man comic, and it said proof that Spider-Man exists. <laughs> well, but it's no reason that these fundamentalists don't want their kids reading Harry Potter because they can't tell the difference between the two fucking things. Because they're adults. <laughs> the adults think it's real, right? They don't know. And relatedly <laughs> to ghosts, like if you believe in mind-body dualism and a separate ethereal soul that leaves your body at death, ghosts become a thing that could happen. Yep, I suppose. Yeah. So good on you, Thomas the Tank Engine, for... Let me, let me introduce this bit. Um, I can gloss over bad science in a movie. I can gloss over bad computer stuff in a movie because I go to movies for escapism. You know, I, I, I do computer stuff in my everyday life. I can, I can manage to handle bad computer stuff. That I don't does know. not cause me to suspend my disbelief. I, I gotta say the Iron Man was, that, that, that threw me. I was there for, I was there to be suspended for, you know, everything else I could take, but yeah, that it was pretty egregious, but it was, it was pretty egregious, but it was still a fun scene. Okay. So what can't you handle? I cannot handle when they take a subject with a wealth of information, such as Greek mythology, and they just trash it. Yeah. They trash it. They, they take, um, you know, I, a prime example, Ian already mentioned it. Hades. Hades was not a bad guy. At least Hercules so butchered the whole storyline and everything. Well, wait. Uh, okay, well, hold on, hold on. I mean, give me, give me, give me specific examples here. What are we talking about? All right, you mean specific examples of who was Hades, or specific examples of how they butchered him? Well, okay, you both. Well, first, right. let's start with who he is. That's okay, probably the best way. Okay, to good. Tell me who he is. Okay, Hades was the god of the underworld. Which it's easy to see why we have taken the god of the underworld to be a devil-like figure in our current Judeo-Christian-based society. But that's not but, how the mythology no, viewed him. No, the underworld was not a bad place. The underworld was where you went when you died. It was not a place of torment, except for a few people, and they definitely deserved it. 
you know, probably the cruelest thing I can think of in Greek mythology that Hades ever did was, I'm not even going to say Tantalus, but uh, Sisyphus. Sisyphus was doomed to eternally roll a rock up a hill and then it would roll back down over him and he had to start all over again. But I I never recall Hades being the one that actually dishes them out. It was almost like, I don't think that was ever explained. Who was in charge of giving that to them? You've got a good point there. Hades was just basically, he was kind of the watch person over the underworld. Yeah, the caretaker. He, He made sure, he was the brother of both Zeus and Poseidon. And he was given charge over, Zeus was given charge over the skies. Poseidon was given charge over the seas, and Hades was given charge over the underworld. Well, to be fair, in ancient Greek-Roman mythology, pretty much all the gods were assholes. <laughs> yeah, but well, they, yeah. They, 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 there wasn't necessarily, they weren't necessarily good or evil. They were just reflections they were just, of they people. They were human. Yeah. They were, they were doing the stuff mm-hmm. that people kind of wished they could get away with. You mm-hmm. know, Zeus slept with everybody, everybody he could get away with, and, you know, even a few he got caught over. You know, you couldn't throw a rock with it without hitting five demigods in Greek mythology. Yep. Okay, so what's the portrayal of him then? The portrayal in Disney's Hercules. Hades is, <clears throat> first of all, he's the person who, if I recall the movie correctly, because it's been a while since I've seen this cartoon, but isn't he the person who essentially originally set up and tried to kill Hercules? Yes. Okay. And he spends the movie trying to kill Hercules by various means because Hercules can stop his evil plan. Hercules is the only one who can stop his evil plan. And let's not even discuss the fact that it's not Hercules. Yeah, oh, they killed that Hercules myth so bad in that movie. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm just simply talking about the fact that the name is Heracles. Oh. <laughs> well, basically, um, in the movie, Hercules, instead of being a um, demigod... Is because I guess um, Disney decided they couldn't actually have Zeus going around getting it on with everyone. He's actually the legitimate child of Zeus and um, Hera. It's like, wait a moment, what? So he's a full god then. Yeah. Yep. So my understanding is that Hades never tried to kill Hercules, but huh. Herod all the time. Yes. Uh, the gods didn't necessarily get along with each other, but they weren't evil, and they would go after each other and have fights. Oh, they, and they I, I disagree. To dumbass's point, they were all evil. <laughs> well, you know the thing about a Disney movie is, I guess they require uh, one of the characters to be the evil antagonist, so they they had right. to pick somebody for that. Yeah. You know, they've actually gone, uh, they've actually done a lot more lately on trying to make sure that even their evil characters are understood and misunderstood in some way. Well, Frozen didn't really. I mean, the the big bad evil in there was really not evil at all. Yeah. Well, yeah. The thing about the thing about uh, Frozen, I, I watched Frozen, and I thought, you know, they, they did have an evil character. I mean, uh, the the original main love interest turned out to be a bad guy after all. I thought it would have been it would have been really impressive. Okay, they could have done it easily, worked the story, so that there was no real bad guy. That everybody was just trying to do the the best uh, they could in their own way, and uh, there was just a lot of misunderstanding and a yeah. lot of even you know, though- not doing the right thing. Even the main love interest being a bad guy, you can kind of understand why he was. Uh, he was still a he was still a tool, but yeah. well, he might have made a really good leader. Also, there was some indication of that. I, yeah. You know, I really like the idea of evil being extremely nuanced, and and depending on the view that you're looking at it as to right. whether it's evil or not. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if we're talking Disney, they also have been 
uh, they just did Maleficent, which kind of re- retcons their big bad from Sleeping Beauty, and they they've uh, they've seriously rewritten the Wicked Queen from Snow White in Once Upon a Time. But you know, we're digressing from Hades here. Extremely. And we never do that. We never, <laughs> never. Wouldn't Don't do worry, it. I'll fix um, it in post when I add the dick jokes. <laughs> the uh, in Clash of the Titans and in Wrath of the Titans. Clash of the Titans, Hades is the main antagonist, and his whole plot is to make humans fear the gods because he feeds on fear and the other gods feed on human love and worship. That in and of itself, the the gods feeding on human devotion and worship, that actually kind of makes sense. Him feeding on human fear instead of instead of human devotion like the other gods, not so much. And they made him the main antagonist, um, and he's a manipulator, and in the end basically uh, gets cast back down into the underworld by uh, the hero of the movie, Perseus, who I don't think was originally Zeus's son in the mythology. I think he was a different god's son. Wasn't he Poseidon's? No, I think he was always, um, I don't know if we can find that out real easy. Let's see. Okay, but in the uh, in the in the sequel to Wrath of, into the sequel to Clash of the Titans, Wrath of the Titans, they kind of redeemed Hades at the end. You know, his evil basically overwhelmed what he actually wanted to do, and he realized that that's not what he wanted to. That's not how he wanted to end up. So it, they did kind of end up redeeming him at the end of that movie. But there's still the fact that they started off with him needing him to be an antagonist. And in Wrath of the Titans, they took it and, and made Ares the antagonist instead. Let me ask you, though. Mythologies are constantly being rewritten and, and changing. So why does this bother you? Why, why isn't this just another take on the mythology? Uh, okay, that's a, good, that's a really good point. Uh, I think it does bother me, though, because if somebody actually did tell these stories and tell them right, that would be a damn good story. Yeah. Well, also, it, it's christianizing it. Yeah. Um, it's very much christianizing it, which, um, bastardizes it from what it's supposed to be. Um, you know, Hades is not Satan. He's not the devil. He's a completely different character, all of his own. And if you turn him more like Satan from the Christian belief, you lose what he really is. It, it takes away from him drastically and makes people misunderstand the mythology, the history of the character. Right, but it's it was made up in the first place, so it's nothing tangible. So what does it matter if they if they just it, make a new interpretation? It's part of our history though. It's part and, and that you know how many I how many we had how many different about comics and you did not you know way back when talking about historic comics and the significance of those. The significance of myth, mythological beings within our society is much more than a lot of people understand. You look at the names of the weeks, the names of the planets. We name everything after our mythology. It has had such a huge influence on us. And for people to bastardize it and make it so that um, people couldn't understand the historic significance of it, the, what that the characters actually came from, what they, you know, to me, that's insulting. That's um, well, On the other hand, they, they reimagine comic book characters all the time to, you know, just you know, completely change uh, what and who they are a lot of the time. No. I mean, I, I yes. Just, I, who? Name Look one character. The Hulk. How many versions no. of the Hulk are there? No, they've actually no. kept the main, they've kept the main story the same the entire yes. time. 
Oh, the Hulk on another world? The Red Hulk? How many? The Red Hulk's a whole different Hulk. The Green Hulk's still there. The two of them are interacting in the same right, world. Right, but they constantly put him in another universe. How many times have they killed Batman and brought him back as something new? Well, they, DC and, reinvents their universe about every decade right ah, now. Ah, so, so Thor, then... Thor yes. is now a woman. Yeah, nice. but that's not yep. reinventing. Yeah, it's a continuation of the story. Really? Yeah, and but, actually, Thor, Thor himself, the original Thor, remains in the universe. He just doesn't wield Mjolnir anymore. Um, my understanding was that uh, this is a, a brand new reimagining of no. Thor, and that it's the only Thor in the see, see, uh, Marvel see, universe. She takes up the, the mantle of Thor. Thor himself, it, um, for, something's going to happen, and he's not going to be worthy, and so he can't do the job of Thor. And so he basically wait, goes, wait, wait. Thor, wait, wait. Thor is a position. I thought Thor was his name. I thought so too. Uh, I thought Thor is the wielder of Mjolnir has to be worthy to wield the power. Right, but he doesn't have to be Thor. Right. There've actually been there've actually been others who've been worthy to lift the hammer of Thor in the past and they've been characters such as in a what if comic they did uh Rogue took Thor's power and took the hammer in a DC versus Marvel Wonder Woman was worthy of lifting the hammer. But she didn't okay. become Thor. But in no. this case so what is that this- Sorry, so is the is the Thor example accurate to the historicity of the Thor mythology? No, actually, I, I will agree there uh, that uh, you know you, you go with the hypocrisy. I admit it. Yeah. <laughs> the well, and and in every version of Thor I, I I've seen, like especially like the comic uh, the the cartoon ones, Thor is speaking like in this really fakey old English accent. Well, Thor should have red hair. He should have a full beard all the time. Um. <laughs> Here's There's the, here's a lot the thing. of things the Marvel Thor has that's inaccurate from the mythology. I will completely give you that. The, things, the Odin son doth not deign speak as you would have him speak. The things that bother me... Art thou say, saying it that I be in error here, sir? <laughs> Is this oldie time? In all of the things that I had problems with, it was always something physical, something tangible, something that I worked with, something that I knew about, something that was real. Uh, when with it, me, it's something cultural. Yeah, but here's the thing is that these are fables. <laughs> fables can be remade constantly. I have no problem with this. If they want to reimagine Hercules, let them go at it. I have no attachment to yeah. that original mythology so much that if they, if they want to change it, let them because they get changed over time anyway. But that's you. <laughs> it may not be every one of our listeners either. Right, but there may be there may be people listening who are completely bent out of shape. Now, so do I take it that you have no real attachment to Greek mythology, Brian? Perhaps not. But here's the thing: okay, is that so the Hercules TV the show didn't follow the history. See. What's that? If you have no attachment to Greek mythology, I would advise you to see the movie Immortals. Okay, because that would be Greek mythology for people who hate Greek mythology. I don't hate it, though. Here's the thing is I don't hate it. I just don't have the same attachment to it that you do. I've heard the stories, yeah. and they're interesting. It's like it's like, it's like like the Bible. People talk about the devil, right? Right. But when you read the Bible, the devil did very little, right, yeah. and, and didn't really do that much. But yet it's this big, bad evil that somebody has reimagined it into. I don't know if the Bible actually has the devil in it. It, it does. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah it does. It, Absolutely. It, it has the New Satan Testament. And yeah. The New Testament does. Beelzebub. But- no, no, I mean, when you go back to Job, that's Satan. I mean, or Beelzebub. Mm, I mean, okay, that's, well, that's, that's Satan, which I, I, we get into a whole discussion as to, um, the, the Satan as portrayed in the Old Testament 
versus um, Satan as portrayed in the New Testament. There are some drastic differences. But when well, that, that's a little off track. Uh, but uh, what perhaps. I will say here, I think, is that you can make things a lot more interesting if you look up like original, like in Greek mythology. If you want to make something with Greek gods, you can make things really interesting by adding in genuine details um, from the uh, from the old material but you know you still i think it's still a good idea to reimagine it and put in your own spin on it well i got no problem with the initial idea that as long as you hold truth to um the original i don't want to say necessarily characters but the original um feet overall feel of it and you've got to have the original material like the robot owl here, you know what? When when somebody like redoes, like like if you take a song and somebody's going to redo it, not just a cover, they want to redo it and make it their own. I want them to redo it, and I want them to tear it apart, and I want them to make it something of their own making, okay, right? Even one, though it's the original song. One of the Disney stars redid the uh, the Who song, um, talking about my generation. And see, instead of saying "I hope I die before I get old," he put "I hope I don't die before I get old." Now, um, <clears throat> considering that that basically destroys the whole attitude of the song um <laughs> it does kind of spike it yeah but i mean per- perhaps i i think you can re you can reimagine something without destroying the original and, and maybe and perhaps in this in what you're talking about it kind of completely deflates the original yes it does i, is, I, I very much feel that way is there a thread of an argument though in favor of it um of popularizing it or whatever in that it makes the myths more acceptable to people who might otherwise not be exposed at all or is it just so divergent from the original that it's not worth exposing them to that or calling it the same thing i think that you can strike a balance you know you know i I can i can kind of uh see your point in certain things like um especially when they like they make uh certain movies out there like um uh when they made um uh, what, what was that movie with the zombies um world war z or that, uh, or, or iRobot. Basically, they completely disregarded the source material just to use yeah. the name. And that seems really time? cheap. Yeah. Well, the Bourne, the Bourne movies did the same thing. Yeah, Starship Troopers, nothing like the book. Oh, yeah. absolutely not. Starship Troopers and the book, the book was a, was political commentary more than it was a, a war flick. Yeah. Can you we know, go back to the Bourne movies for yeah, a second? Please. Because okay. that scene with Matt Damon and the girl in the bathtub where he's cutting her hair. Negates any divergence for me at all. <laughs> well, I'm just, yeah. the, the first movie, the, the born, ident- the born oh. identity is the one that follows the book the closest, mm. right? But after that, they're completely different. The, the movie and the book are completely different. And actually, I, I gotta say, I, I, I thought that was okay because the books were, so, I mean, the, they, they kind of ruined the first born book. But since the, the second book doesn't follow the book at all, even though they use the same name, it, it's a completely different movie and a, and a completely different story. So by doing that, it, it didn't ruin the book or the movie for me, even though they use the same name, because they're different stories. Yeah, I kind of feel like that about uh, the Longmire Mysteries versus the Longmire TV show. They use but, the same name, but it, they're they're completely different works. Right. I've written some fiction utilizing um, mythological characters. In fact, one of my favorite ones I just did has the Greek gods in modern day dealing with zombies. And one of the things I made sure I did when I was, um, you know, Hades is actually the main character in that, and he's actually more or less the protagonist. You know, we, we're getting into a completely different issue here because we can mm. get into, you know, like what, what fan fiction does. They completely right. remodel what, what, yeah. what, what, they, what they're starting with. Yeah, but the one thing I made sure of is what I was doing 
felt true to the characters. So you, I, saying, I wasn't taking the character saying, hey, let, let's make him completely different and give him all sorts of motivations that don't fit with where he came from, with, you know, the historic contents of the character, anything like that. So you're advocating, I could see Hades want to get, wanting to get zombies back in the ground. Yeah, you're advocating capturing the essence. And as long as you capture the essence, what they do from there is okay? In general, yeah. I, I'm all for taking it and expanding and seeing where you can go with it. But the Disney Hercules movie didn't ex- do that. It butchered the mythology and said, we're, we're going to ignore about 99% of it and just almost write a whole different story and just reuse the names. Okay. Because you can't have Hercules be the the offspring of Zeus and Herod. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, that, I that understand that. Sense, that, that, that. That's not the that worst thing. If that was the worst they did, you know. But Hercules, one thing. I, I, one thing I love about Hercules' myth, he's intelligent as well as strong. He really is, if you look at it. And that's, uh, that, to me, that was another thing they completely butchered in the movie. He wasn't that intelligent. He just went through and, you know, basically fought his way through everything. Like the Hydra. They, they turn the Hydra thing into like a five second thing where all he does is bring down a cliff on the Hydra. It's like, what? Hmm. Okay. That, that, that completely killed the whole mythos of Hercules because that's not how he works. But he did stop the Hydra from saying, cut off one head and two shall rise in its place. <laughs> Hail Hydra. <laughs> So, yeah, that's All my right. take on it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Is, this this movie that I was yeah. ranting about, Immortals, um, this it's supposed to be Theseus. It doesn't touch upon Theseus's any of the stories about Theseus at all. Uh, Theseus was actually a really important character in Greek mythology. And, you know, pretty much this movie kind of turned it into an excuse for people to wear togas and have painted on abs. So should I watch it or not? If you don't, if you don't care that it's really bad for Greek mythology, it's an okay, it's an okay flick. Hmm. You know, I think uh, the worst sin a movie can uh, commit is just to be boring. I mean, I I love ranting about movies that get things wrong and movies that uh, do things in a weird way that maybe I think could have been done better. But as long as they're not boring, I, I I love watching them. Okay. And that's probably the best thing that can be said about it. You know what? It, it is okay. And that we, and this is, comes back earlier to something we did in a, in a podcast a a while ago. It's okay to look at something you like and and nitpick it and tear it apart and talk about the things that are, that are, that are not okay. I mean, I still liked Iron Man 3, right? Right. Even though that one piece is, is, is just gut wrenching for me. I can still watch that movie. And now that I know that it's in there, it won't throw me as, uh, throw me as much the next time. Right. Yeah. So, so it's certainly okay for us to have problems with these movies and point out the problems and still enjoy them. It's not okay to like Prometheus, though. What a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) And we didn't even talk about it, but let me just say, what a piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah. Science fail. We want to wrap it there. I think so. I think we're going to wrap it there. Hey, say good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. That is another one in the can. Well, if you've made it this far, that's an hour of your time you're never getting back. But the amateur skeptics appreciate you giving that hour to us. If you'd like to tell us how you felt about spending that hour with us, let us know at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. You could always roast us in a voicemail at 720-295-7785. The Amateur Skeptics Podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons Sharealike No Derivatives 3.5 license. So, hand it to an unsuspecting friend, but please, just don't change the content. Intro music by Peter Cannell. 
Find more Peter's music at soundcloud.com forward slash P-K-A-N-O-L. Exit music by OFM. Find more of their music at myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. Artwork for the Amateur Skeptics by Sean Smith Ford. Copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraitry.